Electronically stored information. How can organizations get a better handle on it? Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director with Information Security Media Group. I'm talking today with David Matthews. He's the Deputy CISO with the City of Seattle, and he is also the author of the new book, Electronically Stored Information, The Complete Guide to Management, Understanding, Acquisition, Storage, Search, and Retrieval. David, thanks so much for joining me today. It's a pleasure. So tell us about this new book, please. You've got so many themes there just on the cover alone. What are the key elements of this? Well, I really started thinking about this uh, idea quite a while back when I was working with our law department here at the City of Seattle and recognized the fact that not only the law department but management in the city and um, other folks who work in IT uh, and, and just anybody who basically lives in this world these days um, is, is dealing with electronically stored information all day long every day and more and more so as our lives become more and more intricately intertwined with uh, the uh, electronic world and so um, I started talking to people I started doing uh, presentations um, specifically to attorneys but then more and more to other groups just about electronically stored information and what it means, where it is, and how you can locate it, how you can understand it, and how you can manage it. Um, and it became um, a seminar and a webinar that I had done several times, and I was asked to write a book about it. So uh, that's kind of the theme of the book, is to really help people understand it. And I, and I tried to write it in a way that anybody could understand it, and really you know, have some fun with it, uh, write it as stories and uh, metaphors and really try to make it easy to understand for anyone uh, because I really do think we're all sort of inundated with this tsunami of data that we create as we walk around and uh, many of us don't realize what kind of an effect that can have on us um, in both legally and um, just in our history and in our reputation and in so many ways that so that was the intent of the book and I really hope that uh, it gives everybody who reads it a, a much better understanding of the data we all swim around in these days. Well, David, you've tried to make it accessible to multiple audiences. Who would you say are your primary audiences? Well, as I said, originally it started out as something for um, management and legal uh, organizations, and I think those would be um, well served by it. Um, I've also had several colleges contact me about using it as a textbook for people who are getting into either paralegal fields or information technology or friends, computer forensics fields, um, just to better understand, uh, you know, what, what kind of work they could do, how they could assist their organizations uh, as they move out into the workforce to uh, work with electronically stored information and electronic discovery, which is a big uh, issue now with any kind of litigation or any kind of legal issues. And I do spend um, a fairly large chapter there just talking about how the law has changed and case laws have case law has changed um, to recognize electronically stored information now and and how, how important that has become in the legal world it's changing quickly it's difficult for the legal world to get a handle on it because it is a different way of looking at evidence but it's becoming uh, very important in the courts so I spend a lot of time talking about how the rules have changed and how the courts are now looking at uh, electronic evidence. Now, David, you spend a lot of time talking with different organizations. Where do you see them most missing the boat on ESI and e-discovery? 
Well, I think in many cases um, it's a resource issue. It's just difficult to get their hands around sometimes, and that's that's understandable. Um, I think that there's often uh, the, the the misunderstanding. There's people. I mean, people who work in litigation, say, um, or in legal, they they didn't go to school for IT. They don't speak the language of IT, um, and so it's difficult sometimes to translate the geek, if you will, between the you know from the the legal geek to the IT geek to the information technology geek um, is sometimes difficult to translate, and I think that's where the biggest gap is most of the time. Um, that's one of the things I really try to address in this book is to give people uh, kind of a lexicon of what what is the language that you need to understand from um, IT if you're not in IT or from the legal side if you're not in the legal side. Uh, and and for all of us, you know, to better understand each other, I think that's where the biggest gap occurs is just this lack of understanding, lack of communication. And so I think kind of the first steps I always recommend to organizations when I talk to them is put together a group of stakeholders um, from legal, from your IT management positions, from your secure computer security positions, um, from your auditors and your uh, uh, your just your business managers and of course your executive folks and get everybody in the room together and start looking at um, what needs to be in place for you to be able to collaborate with each other, for you to be able to help each other um, discover what needs to be discovered when, when you do need to find electronic evidence, whether it's for an audit or for a legal issue or uh, for some kind of regulatory problem. Um, get everybody in the room that needs to be there and start um, translating things with each other and finding somebody who can be a good liaison. And I think that's a really key part is having a liaison person who understands all sides of it and is able to, um, or, or a department, a whole division, and I've seen this in some mature organizations, that they have a department of e-discovery or a department of, um, of you know, records management that, that actually is capable of speaking the language of all the different organizations and all the different pieces and uh, working together to coordinate and collaborate. Now, flip side of that last question, David, where do you see organizations most often getting ESI and e-discovery right? Well, I think where I'm seeing the best um, is in some of the larger organizations, especially some of the legal organizations, some of the big companies. Like I said, they create a, um, a, a department or a division of, of electronic discovery um, whose job it is to be able to assist both the legal side and the IT side and maybe the forensics people, computer forensics people, the computer security folks, all of them to coordinate with each other and to understand better how um, how data works, where data lives, how it can be preserved safely and securely, how it can be uh, acquired in a, in a forensically sound manner. Um, all those pieces um, getting put together in one place in either under an organization, under a division within an organization or a specialist within a organ smaller organization or possibly even going out to third parties. There are some third-party organizations and vendors who are now specializing in electronic discovery. And I think it's really something for all of every organization, every person really, to be aware of and, and, uh, and look for solutions uh, and be ready for because we're all going to, we're, we're all basically subject to these same um, issues. We're all basically living in the same data fog. Uh, so I think everyone has a, a real responsibility to understand this and, and manage it. Now, you've talked a number of times about the legal profession. I know that this has been a topic in, in a field you've worked in a lot. How do you see some of the current legal trends 
impacting how we work with ESI and, of course, e-discovery. Well, more and more I'm seeing that the courts are really beginning to understand uh, electronic evidence and really call on and expect the parties in a case, in a legal case, to um, be responsible about preserving electronic evidence. Um, where people are getting hurt in these cases is when they don't understand it themselves, they don't do the right thing to preserve it, um, in you know, letting their employees know that they have to preserve that data or letting the data get wiped in some way or, or cleaned up in some way or um, what's called spoliation in the legal field um, somehow destroyed um, or lost. Um, those are often the times when, when the case will turn against someone because they really haven't understood that electronic data and all of the kinds of electronic data that might be evidence and relevant to a case. Um, and the courts are beginning to really understand this, and you see more and more rules being changed um, around the country, both on the federal level and the state and local level, um, and, and in both civil and criminal courts, to address the fact that electronic evidence is absolutely required and, and expected to be a part of discovery phase and a part of the evidence phase. And um, so people have to be aware and have to be understanding that more and more case law is um, showing that the, the, the judges are getting it and they're beginning to um, really call for this. And so it, it's changing all the time, as, as technology tends to do. But um, they really do seem to be expected now for every, everyone be, seems to be expected to understand what they, how they need to manage it and that it does need to be managed and that it has to be preserved carefully and acquired and and kept secure and everything else. So um, that's that's what I'm really seeing in the case law lately. Let's talk a little bit about what organizations need. In terms of technology tools, what are the most necessary ones for, for organizations that really want to get a handle on this? Uh, technology tools, there, there's a lot of new things out there for electronic discovery and, and archiving records management. I think really the records management tools are, are the ones that are becoming um, are becoming the most mature as far as being able to uh, archive your data carefully and, and index it in a way that's easy to, to get to. There are a lot of different uh, organizations out there. It, it all really began with email and cause, because email tends to be the number one thing that everybody's wanting to look at in cases. Um, but now it's expanding out and some of the tools and, and solutions I've seen out there are also um, working with documents that are created in, in a department and, or in a division uh, in a business. And the, that all works around um, categorization of the um, data. Everyone needs to be able to somehow say, this data belongs over here, this data belongs over here. Um, so in classification of data. Um, so those are the way the solutions are beginning to work. And I think that the more as, as that um, area matures, what we're going to begin to see is um, a better way, better ways to classify and categorize your email and any documents you create, any, any data that you create um, in a way that then that kind of metadata that exists along with that data um, directs it to the right place for archiving and for preservation and for indexing so that um, in the case of um, e-discovery or some other reason, an audit, et cetera, that you need to have that data, you have a fairly simple and easy way to um, look it up and find it and access it. So as I said, the ones that are out there right now mostly are email, and, and those are the ones I've seen the most of where you can 
you know, the email is archived and there's and it's searchable and indexable, um, and so that things can be brought back. But the more and more we're seeing, um, you know, other types of messaging, um, document creation, uh, you know, other types of data that's created, all being put into those same archival programs. Now, David, what are the individual skill sets that organizations need to be able to handle this information to present it properly when it's time to uh, present the results of e-discovery? Well, I think one of their best allies is the Information Security Office. Um, and I, I say that not just because I work in an Information Security <laughs> Office, but because um, this is basically what we do. I mean, we the, the Information Security is based on confidentiality, integrity, and, uh, and accessibility, and and all those things really apply when you're talking about how to acquire data in a in a good in a secure way and preserve it in a secure way. You have to preserve the integrity of the data. You have to have confidentiality around the data, um, and accessibility is all about you know classification of data. So all those things that we live as information security professionals really fits right into this. So that's one of the big skill sets. Um, forensics and uh, the ability to acquire the data in a uh, in a forensically sound manner that's a, another good one and um, and I think also legal understanding of legal things so good paralegals are now I'm, I'm meeting uh, I'm seeing a lot more paralegal programs that are putting forensics computer forensics um, courses in with it and so the paralegals understand the acquisition of data and how data is created and, and where, to, where to find it, how to get to it. Um, so I think more and more it's beginning to, those, those things are kind of melding together. And all three of those, I think, are the big ones. Um, you know, just the, the understanding of the electronic evidence and, and, what, and what the rules are and legal rules are around it. That's, a, again, more of a paralegal kind of place. Um, information security office or someone in that kind of realm of IT. And then, um, and then somebody gets more into the bits and bytes and the forensic level, because a lot of times that evidence can be difficult to get to. It can, may have been deleted, it may have been lost, um, and sometimes the forensic folks are the ones who can uh, find it when nobody else can, or, or acquire it when nobody else can. And in any case, they're the ones who have the skills and the knowledge and the tools to acquire data in a in a way that maintains its integrity. David, for organizations that aren't prepared to bring this function in-house internally, what would be some of the risks and rewards of outsourcing e-discovery? Well, the risks are always um, making sure that, I mean, there, there's risks because your data is possibly exposed, something that's important to you or something that's private or something that's uh, intellectual property or uh, information that's uh, credit card information, whatever, is exposed to a third party. And I think that that's always going to be the risk when you're working outside of your own organization for any any services. However, um, as I've talked about in some of the things we've done with uh, around cloud and around some of the other things, it's all about the contract. And again, you know, it's, you've got to have a good contract in place, something that people uh, that that you know, if you're going to go into that and with some a third party, there needs to be some very good language in there about um, non-disclosure and they should have a really good reputation. Um, you want to have somebody that you can, that you have a good trust relationship with, um, both, uh, you know, at least on a vetted, someone has recommended them to you or someone you trust has recommended them to you, or you have really, and or you have really good contract language that um, restricts 
the kind of access they have. Um, it's, you know, is very specific about what they're going to do and how they're going to do it and how much time they're going to spend, and um, and how how things are going to be stored and and you know if their people are backgrounded and that kind of thing. Um, there's just the same kind of rules you would do any kind of services where you're sharing your data with an outside source. Um, so I think that it's. I would just say the risks are the same as usual, but the, the, the way to mitigate those risks is through really good contracts and really good relationships with the, the vendor that you're using. Just a couple more questions about your book, please. And one is, if you were to sum it up, David, what advice would you be offering to organizations so they can get a better handle on ESI and e-discovery? Uh, I think that the whole point of the book and the whole the answer to the question really is that the way to avoid the risks of, of, that come by, by not understanding electronic evidence and electronically stored information is by understanding better where, they, where that data lives, how it's created, how it's stored, how it can be acquired safely, and how it can be managed. And the only way to do that is really to dig in and, and learn this stuff. Um, you know, the book that I wrote is a good starting place. It's a good place, and it has a ton of references in the back for people who want to get uh, into it deeper. But um, there's, you know, it's a good starting place. It's a good way to just kind of get a feel for what kind of data might be surrounding you, what kind of data you or your organization might be creating, and uh, and and a good checklist, you know, for okay, if we've got uh, some reason to have to acquire electronic evidence or electronically stored information, where do we start? Where do we, what do we look at, look for? What are the different places that this could be? And there's a lot of places you might not consider right up front. So um, it's just important to, to have that overall understanding and uh, be able to manage it in a, in a secure way. Last question for you. We've talked about a bunch of different audience segments. How should they best use this book? I wrote it in a way that I think you can use it either as a reference where you can um, pick it up and look at the table of contents and say, okay, this I'm really specifically interested in, in the case law around this and go to the case law chapter. Or I'm really specifically interested in all of the different types of electronically stored information. So I can go to that chapter and, and it's broken down into all of them so you can kind of pick and choose. Or and I, I also wrote it in a way that um, is fun enough to read, I think, and interestingly enough, interesting enough that you could read it cover to cover and really get a lot out of it, and and, and it kind of moves through in a way that, um, as you're reading it, it, it builds on itself. So you get you start out with really basic, you know, how do things work, and that's that's how it really starts is how do these things work, and then you start getting into some of the legal issues around it and how it applies to you, and how to and then and then how the legal issues apply, and then more into um, what you can do with it, what kind of things you can do to uh, manage it better and to acquire it, and the, the legal issues and the, and the forensic, forensically sound means of uh, preserving data and securing data. So I think it's, it's written in a way that you can um, either use it as a reference book or use it to really work your way through from beginning to end. What is electronic information? Uh, where is it? How, do, how is it stored? And, and what should I be doing to... Um, better manage it. Again, the name of the book is Electronically Stored Information, The Complete Guide to Management, Understanding, Acquisition, Storage, Search, and Retrieval. The author is David Matthews, Deputy CISO with the City of Seattle. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.